Hello, survivalists. I'm your host, Casey McIntosh. I'm finally joined once again by my sister, Tessa King. She recently returned from Tanzania, where she climbed Kilimanjaro and went on a safari. And boy, did I miss you guys. <laughs> Clearly, between the two of us, she's the more interesting one. Whatever. As you know, I was struggling at home with my kids trying to be a teacher as half of my family came down with COVID. That sounds just as much of an adventure. Yeah, that's one way of putting it. Thankfully, everybody's okay, but I might need a vacation as well to maintain my mental stability. Oh, I think that's already shot. (laughs) (laughs) It's too late for that. I know. All right. Well, to the story. I'm so excited. Today, I will be telling you the story of Carter Viss. Carter was snorkeling on a beautiful Thanksgiving day, November 28, 2019, with his friend Andy Earle. The weather was perfect, the air was still, and the water was calm. They decided to call it quits early afternoon, swimming towards the shore. Carter was ahead of Andy. Carter suddenly heard a loud engine, and it was reeling at him. He tried to swim out of its path, but it was just going too quick, and its powerful propellers drove over the top of Carter, creating an emergency where Carter's life was on the line. Carter was born in Denver, Colorado. He had a passion for the ocean and its life forms at a young age. His interest in aquatic creatures was further motivated after a family trip to Hawaii when he was 10. Soon after, Viss started collecting marine life in tanks in the basement of his family home. One of such creatures was his stingray named Chad. Chad. Good old Chad. He moved to West Palm Beach, Florida to attend college. He studied marine biology at Palm Beach Atlantic University, which is a private Christian college in Florida. After graduating, he took a job at Loggerhead Marine Life Center in Juneau Beach, Florida. Soon after relocating to the Florida area when he went there for college, he discovered the Breakers Reef, which is a reef that boasts a plethora of marine life, including octopus, sea turtles, sharks, spotted eels, and I don't know if I'm saying this right, but Surgente Majors, which is a striped fish. Breakers Reef is one of the most popular diving and snorkeling sites in the Palm Beach area. The reef is very close to the shore, a mere 150 feet from the Breakers Hotel, which it got it, received its name. It runs north to south in 55 to 60 feet uh, depth of water. Right, that's what I was kind of understanding anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to swim out it's really, just from the shore. It's really accessible. And also it has an insane amount of of ocean life. So it's a pretty cool place for divers to go. Carter was very comfortable in this area. He had dove here at least a hundred times before that faded day in November. Carter had taken the last week of November off to spend time snorkeling. It was Thanksgiving and there were many locals at the beach. The sky was blue. The water was crystal clear. The sun was shining and the visibility underwater was impeccable. All those days were perfect, he remembered, and Thanksgiving Day was exceptionally perfect. That was a quote from Carter. Until? Carter and his friend and co-worker Andy began their day at 9.30. They had a routine every time they went diving at Breakers Reef. Andy parked on the east side of Sunrise Avenue, 
north of the hotel by a half of a mile. They walked for a few blocks to the beach, and they situated their stuff near the shore. They plunged into the water with their masks, snorkels, dive flag, dive belts. A dive flag is a flag used on the top of the water to indicate that there's a diver below, which makes sense. And a dive belt is a belt that allows for scuba divers to maintain neutral buoyancy underwater. Carter, 25, and his friend Andy Earl, 32, spent some time in a magical underwater wonderland. The lionfish, anglefish, turtles, sharks, and octopuses. Octopi? Yeah, I wasn't sure. I've, I've seen it in different places written different ways. So they collected some specimens for Carter's collection, which they placed in trolling buckets to deposit into loggerhead tanks. As previously stated, it was around noon when the two decided to finish up. This started swimming back to shore first. He could see his backpack on the beach. At 11.47 a.m., a few minutes before this moment, a private cruising rig named Tally Girl, a white and aqua 36-foot boat, took off from a dock on the intercoastal waterway. The ship boasts a trio of enormous 400-horsepower mercury outboard engines with five-blade propellers. It left behind a $15.2 million mansion on the west side of Palm Beach's north end. The craft's occupants included mansion's owner, Daniel W. Stanton, a retired Goldman Sachs executive, his son, 30-year-old Daniel W. Stanton Jr., Daniel Sr.'s son-in-law, and two grandchildren. Daniel Jr. was the driver of the boat. According to GPS recordings on the ship, it left the dock at 8 to 10 miles per hour and quickly sped up to 53 miles per hour. Holy crap. Danny Stanton had a love for the ocean, just as Carter this did. The Stantons spent their time between Palm Beach and guess where else? Just take a, take a gander. That same beach that Carter and his friend are. No, I'm saying there's another location where they use the water in another part of the east side of the United States. Martha's Vineyard. Oh, obviously. (laughs) In any case, Danny started boating when he moved to Florida in 2004 as a teenager, and he learned how to drive his dad's 40-foot double eagle yacht and his 22-foot Boston whaler. Interestingly, he also obtained a Coast Guard license, which enabled him to ferry commercial boats from New England to Florida. Hmm. So obviously he had experience, right? He purchased Tally Girl in 2008. Two Rivers Boatworks refurbished the craft, and the owner of the company, his name is Dave Calloway, had this to say about it. Quote, I haven't quite experienced a boat that responds to the throttle like this boat does. Full throttle and the skin on your face flips. All of this to say the boat was extremely powerful. No way. Yes way. (laughs) As Tally Girl continued to glide through the water on this faded day, a few people were swimming in the area, and Christine Raininger was on her paddleboard as the ship approached. Christine yelled at the boat to slow down, but no one in the Tally Girl could hear her cries over the sound of the engines. Yeah, if they're going 53 miles an hour... I don't know. Have you been on a jet ski that's going like 40? Yeah, it's really loud. That feels really fast, too. Yeah. That's crazy. And it's probably a lot louder. Tally Girl was 200 yards offshore. Danny's father later told investigators that he had seen some divers 80 yards to the left, and his son Danny slowed down at that point, but he didn't visualize anything else in his path. 
The tally girl was almost on top of Carter before Danny saw him. Carter was surprised by the sound of an engine that came up so suddenly. Usually, distant boats are audible, but Carter did not hear this until it was nearly too late to act at all. The moment Carter recognized what was going to happen, the ship was 50 feet away. Oh my goodness. Carter said, quote, I guess this boat was going really fast and I didn't have time to really hear and process the engine sound coming towards me. Next thing I know, I look to the north and I see a big boat headed straight at me, end quote. He pulled to one side as quickly as possible and was able to get his head and upper torso out of the path of the boat. Unfortunately, there was no way to get totally out of the way. There just wasn't enough time. That uh, makes me sick to my stomach to think about that. He said, quote, I had maybe three or four seconds to think about what was going on, and I knew those next few seconds would mean life or death. At that moment, I thought to myself, I can't let this boat hit my torso or head. So I swam to the side and got as far away as I could from it, and I had my limbs facing the boat. It was a very swift kind of crashing motion on me. It was very fast, very sudden. I don't really remember seeing it hit me. I just remember the aftermath, end quote. The craft sent him tumbling and reeling. The right engine propeller sliced his right forearm entirely off, and he watched his arm sink to the bottom of the ocean in disbelief. Oh, my goodness. He was choking on seawater mixed with blood, and he immediately realized that he needed to swim or he wasn't going to survive. Unfortunately, as he tried to swim, he noted that he couldn't. Yeah, he's missing an arm. Carter couldn't swim without his right arm, obviously. He also had an injured left arm and severely damaged legs. This is what he said about his arm. Quote, I looked down and saw my arm on the ocean floor. This isn't real. This didn't just happen. And then I saw both my legs were cut open too, and I didn't even notice this arm was injured because the wrist was broken. After I saw my legs, I started trying to swim, and I just couldn't because I couldn't use any of my limbs. There was blood everywhere. I was trying to keep my head up. I was inhaling water. At that moment, I was like, this is it. I'm not making it through this. There's no way. End quote. It's amazing he didn't drown. I know. It's crazy. But what he had going for him was that his friend was right there. He began yelling and screaming for help. And that's when Carter saw that Andy was heading back in his direction. Andy had been swimming 25 feet east of his friend when they were going to the shore. He had heard and seen the boat, but he was going to initially yell to Carter that the ship came close to them when he realized that Carter had been run over. So he didn't even, he didn't see what had happened. Mm-hmm. Andy swam up to Carter and seeing all the blood and the injuries, he had to really reel himself in to remain calm. He attempted to keep Carter's head above water. And that paddleboarder that I mentioned before, Christine Raininger, came to the aid of the men. And Andy and Christine used their hands to compress Carter's limb above the amputation to slow the blood loss. Ultimately, she started to use the strap from her paddleboard as a tourniquet. That's smart. But right around that time, the tally girl headed back because they heard all these screams from all these other people that were watching. Mm -hmm. um, because Christine was on the water with a couple of her friends and there are other people swimming nearby and they were all screaming and yelling. Mm -hmm. And so Danny Stanton turned the boat right around. Danny Stanton's brother-in-law called 911 and the Palm Beach Fire and Rescue um, came to the scene. On While they were waiting, Danny Stanton got his first aid kit and he helped, pull, helped Andy pull Carter onto the diving platform of the boat. 
And at this point, Carter considered that he might not survive. He was just moaning and moaning. It's over. It's over. I'm done. You know, he was just, I think, in a state of shock, but also realized how significant his injuries were once he was out of the water. Oh, yeah. Andy wasn't sure Carter would make it, but he was trying to instill hope in Carter that he would. As Carter cried that it was over for him, Andy just said, God is with us. God is with us. And after Carter heard those words, he just felt this overwhelming sense of calm. And he just, just like a peaceful sensation. Um, he said, quote, that was God working through me. I remember looking up at the sky and, you know, I forgot about it for a few seconds. It was just pure peace. It changed from this is the end to this is a survival story. And then it was like, all right, let's get to the ambulance. Let's get to the hospital. Fortunately, all the pieces came together to get Carter to the hospital quickly. Carter made it to the hospital within eight minutes of the impact. Oh my gosh, that's so So fast, yeah. Holy crap. And it was a five-mile drive to St. Mary's Medical Center, which is a a really high-class trauma center. Um, And the ride in the ambulance was excruciatingly painful for him. There was a 12-person trauma team waiting in the ambulance bay, and Robert Borrego, hopefully I'm saying that right, a critical care surgeon and medical director of trauma, was ready for action. This doctor had worked on trauma victims at a field hospital in Iraq, and he'd pretty much seen it all. One of the most challenging aspects of Carter's injuries, though, is that they happened in the water, which increased the risk of secondary infection by quite a lot. Mm -hmm. By the time that he made it to the hospital, he was in stage four shock. And this means that he had a 40% blood loss with high risk of multiple organ failure. So he was really in trouble. On the beach, a horrified Danny Stanton was weeping, covered in Carter's blood. His mother met him to support him after the incident at the beach. A police report said, quote, as she embraced her son, he began to weep and spontaneously stated he was driving the boat and looking left and right, but he did not see dive flags or any divers in the area of the crash, end quote. Back at the hospital, the doctors were trying to decide if they should amputate Carter's legs. A diver had retrieved Carter's arm, but it was too late to reattach it. There was also damage to Carter's left wrist. His wrist was broken. His right knee was dislocated and deeply lacerated, and his kneecap barely remained attached. Oh, my goodness. Also, his femur was fractured. The lower left ankle and leg were smashed with deep gashes, and the left foot was losing blood supply and turning blue. The doctors ultimately decided to attempt to save Carter's limbs just because of his young age. Mm -hmm. So three surgeons and two residents took him to the operating room. They trimmed up the torn skin at his amputated arm for a cleaner closure. Then they started setting his legs and then to his left hand and wrist. He was in surgery for three hours and released to the ICU for stabilization. Carter had given his parents' phone number to the rescuers at the scene, but they had not been available at the time. His parents, Chuck and Layla, were in Centennial, Colorado, taking a walk after church when his mother, Layla's phone, rang, showing a Florida number, so she didn't answer it because she didn't recognize it. On the way home, she realized she had a couple missed calls from Florida numbers, and one of the messages was from the Palm Beach County Sheriff, 
And the parents remembered hearing something about the arm, his arm, and they were trying to save his legs. So, I mean, this is Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, crazy. Um, so they started canceling plans and trying to figure out how are they going to get to Florida. They were luckily able to get a red eye, and they ended up arriving at 10 a.m. the next day. At that point, things seemed to be going smoothly, but they couldn't have prepared themselves for what they would see when they went into that room and saw Carter for the first time after his accident. He had tubes everywhere. He was extremely swollen. He had a breathing tube. He had these external fixating devices on his legs to support the bones as they healed. Um, So it was a pretty graphic scene for them. And during his stay, Carter also experienced ICU psychosis, and so he's experiencing hallucinations. Carter spent a total of 68 days in the hospital. His mother had to go home for work, so his dad, Chuck, stayed in a nearby condo, and they were with him every single step of the way. They recorded all the milestones of his recovery, including the first time he moved his legs, and when he had his breathing tube removed, and when he sat up in his wheelchair, when he started eating solid foods again. Carter realized that it was going to be a difficult recovery, but he was going to make it. Yeah, probably a lot of PT involved in that. I would think so. As Carter healed from his accident, he made a commitment to take something positive out of this experience. Carter told students at Palm Beach Atlantic University, the college where he studied, quote, you can't define yourself by what you lose because no matter what you do, you're going to lose something in your life, end quote. He decided that he spent some time lobbying for changes to protect swimmers swimming in nearby reefs. Good. I think really anywhere near the the beach, pretty much, you know? Right. Even if you're not seeing that there are divers, I don't know. I don't think that you should be blasting through a beach area like that. If you're 200 yards from the shore. Yeah, absolutely. Carter returned to work in June of 2020, and his friend Andy, who was out there with him on that day, was a little concerned when he returned back to work. He said, quote, his first day back at work, I'm thinking, is he going to be able to go up on a ladder to get to the aquarium? He's got limited bend in his right leg, but he went right up. And I was like, okay, do your thing. (laughs) Carter had been able to get back into things he loves, including fishing, playing the piano, and cooking. He said, quote, I just want to get back to what I was doing normally before this. That was keeping me motivated the whole time because I really love snorkeling and fishing and I can't imagine life without that. So I've got to get back to what I love. He and Andy Earl have formed an even stronger bond through the tragedy and they started an Instagram account, Florida Fish Boys. It's (laughs) B-O-Y-Z. You should check it out. Carter's actually an incredible artist. I think he's the one doing the pictures. There's some really amazing fish pictures, drawings, paintings. Did he ever get a prosthetic? He did. Yep. The investigation into the accident initially considered alcohol an underlying cause. A police officer had noted several open containers on the boat. But later, FWC, which is Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission, they investigated it and concluded that alcohol was not a contributing factor. However, the organization blamed Stanton for speeding too close to a dive flag, not paying attention to his surroundings, and driving a vessel recklessly. Carter's mom, Layla, started an online journal, which Danny Stanton reads every day. 
with difficulty, of course. He said, quote, not a day has passed since Thanksgiving that I haven't thought about the terrible events of that day and all that Carter has been through since. It weighs on me every day, and I imagine it will weigh on me every day for the rest of my life, end quote. In September 2020, Stanton was charged with willful and reckless operation of a vessel, first-degree misdemeanor with a sentencing of one year in jail, possible. Carter didn't want Stanton to face jail time. He preferred the idea of Stanton helping him on this mission for ocean safety, for swimmer safety. Mm -hmm. Carter briefly faced Stanton in the courtroom, and he said, I believe that everything happens for a reason, and all the pieces are in place to make positive changes for marine safety. Then Stanton addressed the Viss family and said, I cannot fathom the physical and emotional pain you and your family have endured. The judge ultimately gave Danny 75 hours of community service, and he had to pay a mere $1,000 fine, which is like nothing. And um, Especially when you're a millionaire. Yeah. He was mandated to help Carter change legislation to increase water safety. So that's pretty cool that the judge did that. Yeah. Well, I think that was big of Carter, too. Oh, yeah. He seems really mature and level-headed. Mm-hmm. Good job, Carter. After the accident, Stanton said that he had a hard time and he wouldn't even go to the dock, let alone step on the boat, Tally Girl. He didn't go on any boat until the spring after the accident when one of his friends invited him on board their boat. And even that was a struggle. He just kept thinking about Carter the whole time. Danny Stanton said that, quote, personally, I would very much look forward to the day where I hope to meet Carter and get to know him, end quote. On the subject of Danny Stanton, Carter said this, quote, I feel like I'm going in the right direction. If I were him and I had to live with the guilt and remorse, I'd almost prefer to be in my shoes. But if I can ease someone else's pain, I will, end quote. So that brings us to the end of my story today. I thought that was a really cool story. Yeah of resilience and forgiveness and hope for the future for something better. Hear, hear. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts if it's not too much to ask. Um, and I hope you have a wonderful week. Yeah. Stay alive until next time, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.